This is Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Suicide and the factors that contribute to the problem are statistically difficult to address for Native Americans. The CDC lists suicide as the second leading cause of death for young Native people. With all the loss and community changes caused by the pandemic, health experts warn mental health has reached emergency crisis levels. It's Suicide Prevention Week, and we're taking a look at prevention tools and resources after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The manhunt for one of two suspects in a stabbing rampage in Saskatchewan is now in its third day. One suspect was found dead. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, 10 people were killed and 18 others wounded in the attacks Sunday. An intense manhunt for the two suspects, Damien and Miles Sanderson, began early Sunday morning after reports began coming in to police of multiple stabbings on the James Smith Cree Nation, about 120 miles northeast of Saskatoon. Arrest warrants were issued for the brothers, both in their 30s, and the alert was extended to the neighboring provinces of Alberta and Manitoba. Police investigators were looking at no less than 13 separate crime scenes on the reserve, as well as the nearby town of Weldon. By Monday afternoon, the body of one of the suspects, Damien Sanderson, was found on the reserve. Here's Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Saskatchewan. His body was located outdoors in a heavily grassed area in proximity to a house that was being examined. Blackmore says the other suspect, Miles Sanderson, is still the target of a manhunt. He faces three counts of first-degree murder. Miles Sanderson, Damien's brother, may have sustained injuries. This has not been confirmed, but we do want the public to know this because there is a possibility he may seek medical attention. Meanwhile, condolences have been pouring in to the James Smith Cree Nation from native and political leaders across the country, all describing the attacks as horrific and shocking. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also called it heartbreaking. My thoughts and the thoughts of all Canadians are with those who've lost loved ones and with those who are injured. Trudeau also said he told leaders at the Reserve that federal resources will be there in this time of crisis. The James Smith Cree Nation has asked for privacy. Four of the injured remain in critical condition in hospital. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. A federal judge in South Dakota has declined to stop Lyman County's November 2022 commission election, even though he found it will violate the Voting Rights Act. Victoria Wicks has more. Judge Roberto Lang has issued a limited preliminary injunction for the Lower Burrell Sioux Tribe in its battle for fair districting in Lyman County. The tribe first approached the Lyman County Commission in October 2021 to break up the county's single voting district that has historically resulted in the defeat of Native candidates, a system that violates the Federal Voting Rights Act. Almost 47% of the population of Lyman County is Native. After almost a year of negotiations and court hearings, county commissioners approved an ordinance on August 22nd that establishes a non-reservation district with three commission seats and a reservation district with two candidates to be elected in 2024. An earlier proposal would have left the tribe waiting until 2026 for its second seat to be filled. In his order issued September 2nd, Judge Lang said this latest ordinance is more palatable than the previous one, but it still leaves this November's election in violation of the Voting Rights Act. 
Lower Borough leaders wanted the 2022 election to be canceled, with a special election held in early 2023. Judge Lang said that proposal was not workable. Lang suggested that the 2022 election could be legally held by electing three of those six candidates using the two new commission districts the county approved in August. The two native candidates would run against each other in one district for one seat, and the four white candidates would compete for two seats in the other district. However, Lang said neither party approved of that solution, and both sides have now said it's too late to make changes for the upcoming election. To ensure federal protection of native voters in future elections, Judge Lang enjoined Lyman County from modifying its new ordinance until after the 2030 census. I'm Victoria Wicks in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Support by Amerind, the 100% tribally owned insurance partner working with tribal governments and enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian country. Info at Amerind.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A quick note before we get started, we'll be talking about suicide this hour. If you or someone you know are struggling or in crisis, you can take a positive step by calling 988 or chat at 988lifeline.org. We'll hear about the national hotline a little later in the show. Health experts, including the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. Surgeon General, are warning of a state of emergency, especially when it comes to the mental health of adolescents and young adults. The CDC lists suicide as the second leading cause of death for Native Americans and Alaska Natives between the ages of 10 and 34. Native people have the highest suicide rate compared to all other groups. The good news is that there are increasing numbers of tools to help improve those statistics. It's National Suicide Prevention Week. This hour we'll look into the factors contributing to the problem and what some of the available prevention resources offer. Are you familiar with suicide prevention programs in your area? Are they making a difference in this mental health crisis that's tearing apart Native families and communities? Give us a call if you're comfortable talking about suicide and what can be done to stop it. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. First up on our show today and joining us from Hollywood, Florida is Cheyenne Kippenberger, She is the Communications Coordinator for the Center for Native American Youth at the Aspen Institute. She's from the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Cheyenne, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well and really looking forward to to learning more about what's going on down there at the Center for Native American Youth. You are a youth-driven organization, Cheyenne. Please tell us, how are young people helping other young people in crisis? Well, if you look at just what the strengths that our communities hold, I think a lot of times it's it's really 
driven by young people. And if you look at any of our communities all across Indian country, some of the efforts that are being made um, in regards to suicide prevention, um, creating resources, creating support systems, they are youth-led. And we see that firsthand at the Center for Native American Youth as an organization that prides themselves in being youth-led. You know, we are very, very intentional about how we work with our young people. And we know that the solution-making processes that goes into addressing some of these concerns, these issues in our communities, it needs to come from those that are affected most by it, which is our young people. Cheyenne, what was the motivation for starting the Center for Native American Youth? How long has it been in existence? So we are super, super excited that we actually just celebrated um, 10 years last year of being what we are. And we were founded by Senator Dorgan, who is um, a former senator of North Dakota. And we, it was started with suicide prevention in mind. He had seen that there was a need for resources and support within communities. He had a very close relationship with MHA out in North Dakota, Mandan, Hedakson, Arikara, the three affiliated. And with um, leftover campaign money, he started the Center for Native American Youth. And for now 10 years, going on 11, it's been an organization that has uplifted, empowered, and has impacted many, many young people and communities. Well, congratulations on 10 years strong. And tell us more about some of these programs specifically that are, are working to address these mental health issues among our young Native people. Well, if you look at the Center for Native American Youth, we, of course, have our pillar programs, which is the Champions for Change. You know, we host an annual art com competition called Creative Natives call for art, which encourages young people to submit um, art pieces. Um, we also have uh, so many other things that we provide. We, you know, we come into communities um, and create programs that are more specified for those community needs. We also um, offer civic trainings and um, com communications trainings and all these other many things. But most of all, you know, our goal, our mission is to enhance and empower young people and to build them up in a way that not only will they be ready to take on their lives professionally, educationally, or socially within Indian country, but also out off of their communities and being able to have the confidence to navigate the world as these traditional people navigating a modern world. Cheyenne, do your programs in include spirituality when working with Native youth struggling with mental health? Oh, absolutely. You know, when we think of prevention, what, what are the main tools that we can utilize, you know, to address these concerns and these issues? And we definitely take into account that we are culturally driven people. We are communal driven people. And the, the best resources that we can provide our community is culture, is creating a support system that is founded and driven by the very teachings that we are taught as Native people. And taking into account that when we are able to provide safe spaces for young people that take into consideration, you know, who we are and those teachings and those values and the lessons, even the stories and the music that we carry, you know, we within those spaces, our young people can thrive. And not only do they feel safe, but they feel protected and they feel valued. And, you know, for, and so many other spaces that aren't necessarily Native-led, 
you know, we're, we're constantly having to validate our identities. We're constantly having to validate even just our very existence, you know, because if you look at what mainstream media portrays us as, it's extinct people most times. And so mm-hmm. when you're, you know, navigating a space, for instance, like going to higher, going into higher education, where maybe sometimes there's only a handful of Native students on those campuses, it's really difficult for our young people to navigate that and in feeling you know, empowered to be able to take on their education, but also being able to carry their culture with them. And they're, you know, sometimes it's their first time away from their family. And so we think about all of those things. And so at the Center for Native American Youth, we understand that the relationships that we are able to develop with young people, and even well after they technically age out of what it is to be a youth, you know, there's such an intentionality that we put behind those relationships. And it's not transactional. It's not you know, um, looking at it in a way where it's like, hey, we did something for you, now you can go or anything like that. You know, we we treat everybody that we have the honor of working with like family. And so we, these relationships, these spaces, all of these things, we, we, we really do value ourselves and what it is to be Native people and understanding that working with young people is, is something that should be held in very, very high regards and making sure to maintain those spaces and those support systems in a way that they know is not is not just for work or for opportunity, but that it's genuine. I'm interested in learning more about the perspectives of these Native youth that you work with, and, and what are they saying specifically about their unique mental health needs? Um, we have a very, very awesome survey that we were actually a part of and um, it is called the Indigenous Future Survey, and you are able to access those results on our website at cnay.org. But it was a survey that asked an array of questions, um, but there was a, a portion of the survey that covered mental health, and our young people were sharing their concerns. And you know, it's, it was probably the first time that these perspectives were put at the forefront of that research, and it was shared that you know, suicide prevention is something that is a really big concern. Mental health resources, you know, taking into consideration cultural competency, historical competency within mental professional care was like something that was extremely needed in spaces, um, excuse me, in tribal communities, but also understanding that the, the dynamics and the, the barriers that are created um, is also having to be understood because of the different, for instance, accessibility issues that are present. You know, are these communities rural? Are they urban? Is there a lack of financial support? Is there a lack of um, mental health professionals maybe that aren't able to make it to those communities? And so the survey was really, really great in being able to take a a deeper dive into that and understanding uh, Native youth needs that are, uh, that are, that should be prioritized, especially because mental health is health. And if we can change the lens and we can take away the stigma that has been present in our communities for so long, I think that we can normalize these conversations and really, really start tackling some of these accessibility issues, especially. Cheyenne, so now you have 10 years of of, of a track record there at the Center for Native Youth, and are you seeing meaningful progress with regard to some of these mental health issues such as suicide among our young Native people? Oh, absolutely. You know, as, as someone not only on the team, 
with the Center for Native American Youth, but also having served in the capacity of a youth ambassador with the Center for Native American Youth, I can sit here and even say just firsthand the impact that CNAY has had on my life and the support system that I had, and not only like the financial support, but emotional, spiritual support that was provided from the center was just monumental. And now being able to work in the capacity as an employee and being able to be part of our programmatic work, being a part of the convening sometimes that we get to have as well, you see it firsthand with the youth that we get to work with. And, you know, kind of touching back on, like, what is it to work with young people and, and understanding the relationships that we get to harness and really, really, like, taking into consideration the grounding of teachings as Native people and being able to express that within those spaces, you can see the flourishment of 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 just genuine progress that's happening and for there to be change within our communities there needs to be spaces for young people's voices to be not only heard but valued because they are our future our young people are our future they're our future council members they're our future doctors our future teachers and educators and for us to progress as a society you know, they need to be valued, they need to be heard, but we also need to be making provisions and implementing things that are going to address their concerns and their needs for resources and support. We're speaking with Cheyenne Kippenberger. She's down in Hollywood, Florida, communications coordinator for the Center for Native American Youth at the Aspen Institute. And folks, it is Suicide Prevention Week, and we are talking about the issues here today on Native America Calling. We'll be right back. Dozens of tribes in the United States have fragile or even inoperable drinking water systems. Investment in water infrastructure remains uneven and breakdowns can mean substandard service for weeks or longer. We'll get a snapshot of drinking water weaknesses around the country on the next Native America Calling. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about Native youth suicide prevention today. If you're a parent, how do you talk to your children about suicide and mental health? If your work includes suicide prevention, call in. Tell us what we all need to do to end these tragedies afflicting our Native communities. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with Cheyenne Kippenberger, and she serves a youth-driven, Native-led organization that addresses mental health. And Cheyenne, you gave us a, a really, really thorough overview of all of the great work that you folks are doing there at the Center for Native Youth. And I know that during the pandemic, it was really challenging for a lot of Native organizations to continue their outreach. So I'm curious in learning how you folks adapted during the pandemic and how were you able to continue and, and, and keep your communication with so many Native youth, those contacts alive and strong? 
Absolutely. And I think it really touches back on intentionality. And the pandemic was tough on everybody. Um, you know, we had to pivot. And so I, when I, when I think about that time, you know, especially when it was the peak of the pandemic and, you know, everybody was like Zoom fatigued and things like that, we really had to think about how do we continue to take care of these relationships and making sure that we were not only available for young people, but that we were also showing up for young people. And I think that CNAY was really, really great in doing that. And they developed the Telenative Youth Series, which was a Facebook Live um, show that they were doing weekly. And they would have young people either serve as panelists or as even the host slash MC of these of several different episodes and they were covering different topics and inviting artists, musicians, scholars, or just youth that wanted to talk about higher education. And they were so, we were so great in kind of figuring out how to take the spaces that we were creating in person and being able to bring that online. And it kind of forced even us as an organization to think about, you know, what, what has our outreach looked like up to this point and how can we adjust to what these newer hybrid times are going to look like and we continue now with those virtual spaces as well um, we like to host our instagram live discussions where we have different um, young people that host and have conversations covering topics as like education music art or anything really along those lines and we've even um, looked programmatically at how we can also implement those changes and you know, we're having fellowships in our programs that are now not only in person, but they have a virtual component to it as well. And so as an organization, you know, we, we have to also progress with what's happening in the world, especially taking into consideration the work that we're doing. And for young people, for young Native peoples, especially during the pandemic, it was really difficult. And, you know, our entire normalcy was ripped out from under us. And as people that are so, so communal driven and so communal focused, you know, all of our gatherings are people, our communities coming together. And if it's in celebration, if it's in mourning, if it's just someone's birthday, whatever it is, you know, it's always our community coming together in person, sharing a meal, sharing, sharing stories, sharing music and dance. And we were not able to do that. And there were so many people that were phenomenal in being able to adapt to that. And we're still finding a really, really beautiful way of hosting community, but virtually. And so we knew that our young people were looking for those spaces, whether if it was to just talk amongst one another. You know, we had talking circles that were occurring. We were having um, spaces where everybody could come together and and really just talk about maybe if they had a bad day or if they had a really great day. And we, you know, we, we really did just think about what is it to show up in a way mm -hmm. that was going to be supportive, that was going to be intentional, that was going to be genuine. And we wanted it to, again, be led by Native youth. And we have a youth advisory board that um, literally oh, helps us advise everything that we do as an um, organization. So whether that's programmatically, whether that's um, maybe a, a campaign that we want to launch, we literally go to our youth advisory board and we say, hey, what do you think about this? Is there maybe some changes that we need to make? Should we go in a different direction? And so being very, very intentional 
about how we do the work that we do. Cheyenne Kippenberger, she's down in Hollywood, Florida with the Center for Native American Youth at the Aspen Institute. If you want to give us a call, if you'd like to join this conversation, again, it is Suicide Prevention Week, 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. Next on our show and joining us from Bemidji, Minnesota is Dr. Mark Standing Eagle Bays. He's an assistant professor of counseling and clinical psychology at Bemidji State University. He's Mohawk, Pawnee, Kwawitekan, and Mexican descent. Dr. Bays, welcome back to the show. Hi, Sean. It's glad to be back. It's wonderful to have you. And Dr. Bays, you know, when I, when I hear or I read that, that Native youth have been impacted disproportionately by suicide, I, 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 sadly, I think to myself, well, that's kind of been the case for, for generations now. However, is the problem actually getting worse now? Unfortunately, uh, it is, and that, and that says a lot. Um, um, and as the, uh, the previous uh, guest was uh, describing the importance of incorporating um, methodologies that uh, we understand and know into strategies such as culture, um, that's prevention. That's where it starts. But when we look at um, the suicide rates, uh, 33% uh, um, have gone up since 1999. Um, American Indian Alaska Native uh, women and men, the increase is even greater. It's at 139% according to CDC. Uh, but um, when we're looking at Native communities, uh, as we experience higher rates of suicide compared to other uh, ethnic groups, uh, the suicide being the eighth leading cause of death among uh, our people. Uh, but for Native youth, 10 to 24 years of age is the second leading cause of death. And Native youth um, suicide rate is two, two and a half times higher than the overall national average. So um, making these rates the highest across all ethnic groups and racial groups, and it's, it's unfortunate. And what's driving these increasing numbers? It really is difficult to say this is one of the reasons uh, what's driving um, the previous question uh, that you'd posed. Um, um, speaking of, of COVID, uh, youth suicide rates have been increasing all over the United States in the past decade, right, between 2007, 2017, and the rate nearly tripled uh, for children ages 10 to 14 and rose 76% uh, between 15 and 19-year-olds. Uh, and this is, again, according to CDC. But um, when we're speaking specifically about American Indians and Alaska Native, um, we're looking at uh, some areas uh, that may be far uh, worse. Uh, in a typical year, Native American youth die by suicide, uh, as I mentioned, nearly twice the rate of, of white peers in the U.S. Uh, among those uh, that are vulnerable children on remote reservations that are cut off uh, from uh, larger families and their communities, uh, supports, um, and then having to deal with the actual stressors in the home where they're not receiving any support systems on the outside where we, we can go out, we can uh, talk to our friends, uh, we can seek counseling, uh, we could participate in ceremonies. A lot of that was cut off, and a lot of families um, – um, we're having to deal with higher rates of domestic issues in the home, uh, and just looking at police reports rise across Indian country, there was a lot uh, that families were having to deal 
with what they were going through. So it, it's, um, it was really, really uh, a tremendous amount of stress on individuals and families as a whole and uh, those that were already suffering from, from areas of difficulties, depression, uh, uh, alcohol use and or abuse, uh, that was like a, a double shot of having to deal with what they needed to uh, with their family present. Well, those are, are really, really shocking findings, and especially the impact of the pandemic that um, had so many people just cut off from their support systems. And Dr. Bays, is there any hope now that it appears we're through the worst of it with the pandemic, that we might see some improvement with some of these issues going forward? Uh, I, I do see uh, that, uh, you know, the good news and or the hope are, are the protective factors. Um, uh, culture is prevention. Uh, if, if we have an opportunity, uh, many of us have the seat at the table, if you will, to sit down with uh, other uh, researchers, with decision makers, with policy uh, makers, tribal leaders, in looking and incorporating more culture into uh, the weaving, if you will, into the strategies, then it's uh, going to be um, approaches that are effective uh, for our people, knowing uh, what works. American Indian Alaskan uh, Native youth can draw strength and courage uh, for an uplifting community, as uh, what was mentioned uh, around them. Uh, strong culture leads to resilience. We understand that we are resilient because of, of our culture. The ability to alleviate stress and trauma to maintain healthy development or uh, uh, substantial cultural connections, positive families, and uh, friend relationships are all areas of, of strength, cultural uh, identification, spirituality, uh, family connectedness. These are all tools uh, that are nothing new, Sean, for us. Um, we are just reconnecting to our culture and our traditions and weaving those into our healing practices of who we are today. And when we can do this and sit down with leaders and therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and share with them, these are the ingredients for a successful outcome then we have something that's very promising. We know this because we are still here today. We are resilient, and we know mm -hmm. that works. Strong culture leads to resilience, Dr. Mark Standing Eagle Bays. And Dr. Bays, let's talk more about risk factors, warning signs. What do we all need to be mindful of? Absolutely. Uh, you know, people may not show any signs of intent to kill themselves before they actually commit suicide. Uh, but some behaviors may indicate a person is at risk of killing themselves, and it's essential to be aware of the warning signs. So uh, alcohol and drug use, uh, even looking at historical trauma, uh, attempts to eliminate American Indian Alaska Native culture, just to say this is, has never happened. Uh, alienation, uh, those feeling uh, like they are cut off from everyone. Uh, acculturation, discrimination, um, even... Uh, the LGBTQ2S, American Indian Alaska Native people experience even more prejudice and discrimination. Uh, they have a higher rate of suicidal deaths, attempts, and ideation um, uh, than heterosexual American Indian Alaska Native people. Uh, but uh, it's important to, to look at uh, some of these risk factors uh, and to sit down and to develop 
uh, approaches and or strategies that are culturally responsive uh, to help our people. Dr. Bays, what about bullying? Are we seeing that as a contributing factor to, to Native youth committing suicide? Yes, we are, unfortunately. And it's not just for Indigenous populations, but this doesn't uh, uh, help um, an individual that may feel isolated, an individual that um, may be um, alienated uh, from peers, discriminated against, uh, because of who uh, that person is, uh, definitely we've seen some uh, factors contributing to someone ending their life. Um, not too long ago, there was a, a, a very young boy, and I'm not sure if he was 9 or 10, where he was bullied online. And we're talking about, well, uh, he wasn't at home, so, I mean, he wasn't at school, so how can he be bullied? Social media, very powerful. Um mm-hmm. Uh, what we say, these words are truly, truly powerful. So it's important that we use them in a way that we praise others and, um, and put, uh, put each other down or, or hurt others. Really important that you stress that uh, bullying does not have to, to occur face-to-face in the 21st century, by all means, with social media and all these other communication tools that are at everyone's disposal. Let's go ahead and go to the phones now. We have Shell. He's listening on KISU in Fort Hall, Idaho. Shell, good morning. Sean. Good morning, Sean. Good morning yeah. to you as well, Shell. Yeah, not too long ago, we had a, a an event uh, where a lot of young people put up displays, and we had different uh, different venues and things like that. Uh, uh, kind of like different people putting up uh, seminars. They had a talent show and, you know, a comedy routine show and just whatever talent the, the younger people wanted to put up on the last day, we had the stage just full of talent. And so I, I knew a few uh, jokes, uh, native jokes, and then I, I played the guitar and I told them to me that uh, that the suicide is a spirit, and it moves about wherever you know it can, you know, find a host. So after that, you know, it seemed like it was pretty successful because there's hardly that that many uh, suicides after that. But I hear the suicide going on in Alaska, Canada, mm-hmm. and. That's, that's kind of like what I noticed that it's, uh, it's affecting, you know, other tribes as well. So I thought I'd share that with you. Certainly. And Shell, thank you for calling in. And also thank you for, for participating in that event, playing your guitar. And it sounds like it was really, really meaningful. And I, I want to go back and ask Cheyenne, bring her back in the conversation, because Cheyenne, earlier you talked about the importance of having youth-driven, youth-led programming there at the Native American Youth uh, organization, the Center for Native American Youth. But when you hear uh, an elder such as Shell and, and his contributions in supporting youth, are you folks uh, reaching out to, to the elders in our communities as well and getting their expertise and their wisdom to help guide some of this programming you folks are doing? Of course, of course. And I want to thank Shell, like you had mentioned, for his contribution and, you know, being a part of that. One of the big things that we are especially big in implementing is 
the intergenerational transfer of not only knowledge, of, of storytelling, of just exchange in itself, um, but, you know, bringing that into those spaces and also into programming as well. We at the Center for Native American Youth are almost an entirely all Native team. And as one of the younger people on our team, I especially look up to the women and, and the individuals that I get to work with. But um, our associate director of evaluation and, and surveying, Dr. Billy Jo Kipp, you know, she, she's an elder that I, ha I hold in very, very high regards. And when we have our different trainings, you know, whether it's for civics or if it's for historical trauma or anything like that, we, uh, um, we give the space to Dr. Kipp to not only give the training itself, but also to create space and time for spirituality and for ceremony. Well, what we're hearing here, folks, today is that we all have a role in suicide prevention in Native America. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848, to share your thoughts. It is Suicide Prevention Week. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It is Suicide Prevention Week, and we're talking about resources that are available in our Native communities. You're welcome to join us. What kind of Native-led suicide prevention programs are available in your area? Give us a call. Tell us about them. 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with Dr. Mark Standing Eagle Bays. He is a counseling and clinical psychologist at Bemidji State University in Dr. Bays, we just listened to our caller, Shell, who shared uh, a story of an outreach event up there in Idaho with entertainment and music all geared around mental health. And I want to ask you now, uh, what is the best way for communities and families to talk about these, these really hard to talk about issues such as suicide and other mental health concerns? Well, it's important uh, to have that communication um, through music, through painting, through dance, to have um, that opportunity to at least sit down and to um, have that uh, opportunity to, to speak. Talking about suicide uh, may be difficult, but it's essential, Sean. Uh, talking about suicide with your child is vital for many reasons. Uh, but most important, it helps dispel misinformation. So we want them to know uh, what they need to know, uh, that they are not being misinformed. Talking about suicide doesn't um, put ideas in someone's head or cause suicide. Instead, uh, it helps create a safe environment where uh, individuals can ask questions. Uh, it's important not to avoid uh, the conversation because it, because it is uh, difficult, but Suicide impacts almost everyone directly and or indirectly. Hearing about it uh, from a trusted source um, like um, parents, relatives uh, will assist uh, you know, your child 
with the right information, and, and that's that's critical. Uh, so they can then speak to others about it accurately. So we want to make sure that they have uh, correct information versus information misinformation, rather. And, and Dr. Bayes, the the stigma of suicide, because I I come from a family that has been really really scarred by suicide. A, a number of family members, close family members, have taken their took, took have taken their own lives, and growing up we were always taught to just kind of be hush-hush, not talk about it, or even in some cases lie and tell people that, that family members had died by natural causes when they hadn't. So how do we really get that message through in our communities? Because I feel that there is still a lot of stigma associated with, with not only suicide, but other mental health issues. You know, I remember uh, when I was younger, if you don't speak up, our creator won't even hear you. We need to start the dialogue. We need to um, have this uh, dialogue, this conversation uh, with with uh, our children. And you are right. Uh, I remember being um, uh, there where I was uh, told just to not talk about it. But it didn't make it right, Sean. It's just like, okay, so do I now tell my children just don't talk about it, just deal with it? But we know that that uh, is, is extremely unhealthy. Our ceremonies, there's a lot of communication. So we learn by uh, our ancestors that the importance uh, of speaking about it respectfully, not to uh, go out and to start rumors and uh, disseminating misinformation, but it's done in a right way so that it should be done in a right way. Um, but, but we have these um, these areas where we may think maybe it's okay. Uh, like when a person decides to end their life, there's nothing that can be done to stop them. So just let them do that. Or uh, a person won't commit suicide if they have children or if they bought a new vehicle um, or it's just a difficult time. Those areas right there aren't true uh, It'll happen, uh, and, and we need to make sure that we recognize uh, not only the warning signs, but to, to begin uh, that dialogue, that talk. Again, if we don't speak up, God won't even hear us. So it's important that we start this, uh, this dialogue uh, in a way where it is, it is um, uh, appropriate, that it's non-judgmental, um, uh, but that we, we have um, an opportunity uh, where it's it, 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 it's natural, it flows uh, over the course of the conversation uh, that we give them that space to be able to share what's happening. Dr. Bass, thanks for joining us and sharing all of your expertise as we talk more about suicide and other mental health issues during Suicide Prevention Week. Folks, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848, if you've got a comment to share. And let's bring in our, our next guest now. Joining us from Gallup, New Mexico, is Ray Daw. He's a behavioral health consultant, and he's Dene. Ray, welcome to Native America Calling. Yes, good morning. It's a real pleasure to uh, join everyone this morning and have a discussion about uh, uh, the well-being of our people mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Thank you. Absolutely, Ray. And we're going to talk now about the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And I want to share this disclaimer. 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is an underwriter of Native America Calling. 
Ray, this new national 988 number, we, we mentioned it in the intro of our show today. It's a relatively new resource. Tell us more about it. Yes, uh, the 988 uh, system, it's actually a national system, uh, got going on July 16th this year, this earlier this summer. And uh, it's a national initiative created by the uh, Congress and uh, uh, President Biden that uh, creates a parallel national line similar, hopefully, to 911. We know that 911 is used for emergency calls and, and events. And a good number of calls uh, that go to 911 are also crisis calls. So those that are recognizing that, uh, the, the leaders of our, our, of our government decided to create a national line that could begin to manage and handle and care for and provide intervention for Americans who are experiencing emotional, uh, mental crisis that aren't emergencies per se. And so since July 16th, uh, this national line rolled out, and uh, a number of communities across the country have been uh, working diligently to uh, make this number uh, more available by creating awareness to people. And certainly in New Mexico, we've been working really hard at doing that also. Well, what happens when someone calls the, the number? Who answers the phone, and, and are they trained to specifically address mental health crises? Yes, uh, there are uh, uh, trained uh, counselors and, and therapists who manage the 988 crisis line. Uh, there are crisis uh, call centers being established across the country to handle the calls that come in for uh, emotional support, mental health uh, assistance. Uh, for example, here in New Mexico, um, I'm really pleased to say that here in New Mexico, the state of New Mexico just put out a request for proposal for a Native American call-in center to be established in New Mexico that would handle Native American callers to the 988 system from New Mexico. So we're very excited that uh, the state of New Mexico has been really aggressive at affording our people in New Mexico, Native people in New Mexico, an opportunity to have a call-in center dedicated to Native Americans that is managed, staffed, and by Native American counselors and therapists who are trained in providing this kind of support. So there has been some concern by people who have voiced caution about using the new 988 crisis line. And the thought is that it could possibly have or lead to police showing up at somebody's door if they call that number when in crisis. Is is that a concern we need to be mindful of, Ray? Uh, not, not with 988. Uh, with 911, there is that uh, emergency response. With 988, it's a private, confidential call that goes into the system. Uh, and callers into the 988 system have a private conversation with a provider who will, at the onset, like in anywhere else, begin to ask, uh, you know, some questions about, you know, uh, where, where are you calling from? What are you calling about? Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself in terms of maybe your ethnicity or where you're calling from? Because the where you're calling from question is key towards directing that person to a call-in center that is more local. And so the calls are private and confidential. 
Now, if a caller expresses a need to talk to someone personally, then that arrangement can be made. If the caller says that they're really seriously contemplating <clears throat> hurting themselves or killing themselves, <clears throat> then the, the, the 988 system will work at finding out where that person is so they can get an emergency response going, not a crisis response. But all calls are private and confidential. Okay. I'm thinking of our listeners here, and I, I, I think we've all heard the horror stories of Native families who have called 911 because a relative uh, is, is threatening suicide or in their a really despondent emotional state. The horror story is the police arrive and an altercation occurs and, and the person ends up getting shot by the police. Uh, is this something that hopefully will be avoided going forward with this new 988 lifeline as opposed to 911? We certainly hope so. Uh, here in New Mexico, uh, well, the second part of the 988 crisis line system is setting up local uh, crisis response teams. Here in New Mexico, we have three Native communities that have set up operating crisis response teams. If someone, for example, is really really has a plan in place to take their life, then through the 988 system, a crisis response team can be activated. The crisis response team would, would be a pair or more of trained therapists and counselors who would go to that person's home and work on providing emotional, mental support on site. And, and if this is the other part of the 9-8 system, 9-8 system that's not as well discussed, but it's definitely a real and real strong development. In New Mexico, I'm aware of about four other Native communities that are that have real strong planning groups in place to set up these local crisis response teams so that local community members can have direct access to tribal providers locally as opposed to having to talk to someone on a state line or the tribal native provider line that we're working on setting up here in New Mexico. Oh, by the way, Oregon, I understand, also is working on the Native American uh, tribal uh, crisis line as well. Okay, so it sounds like that uh, having that local input uh, is really, really critical in the success of this 988 Lifeline program. We've got time for, for one more call. We have Robert listening on KUNM in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Robert, if you could keep it fairly brief, we've got about a minute before we kind of kind of start looking to wind things up. But thank you so much for calling us, Robert. Okay. Uh, my daughter produced a movie, To Save a Life. Okay. Uh, it takes place in high school and... Every teenager should see this movie. She got hundreds upon hundreds of calls from teenagers letting her know, after seeing your movie, I do not want to commit suicide anymore. It's a powerful movie. And yes, I even related to it. Uh, I'm, what, 89 years old. <laughs> And I saw a lot of what I experienced in high school. Yes, it's a powerful movie to save a life. To save Every a life. Every teenager, be it. 
Robert, thank you for calling in and sharing that information about this movie. I think every little bit helps in this in this ongoing fight against suicide and, and some of these other mental health tragedies that uh, unfortunately are, are so prevalent in so many of our native communities. Let's go back to, to Ray now. And and Ray, I, I want to ask you more of this. So this is a, a national lifeline, 988. So can any person access it from anywhere in the U.S.? Yes, sir. They certainly can. As I heard in the uh, uh, earlier in, in, in the ad, it is a call-in text and chat feature. So if I wanted to text 988 and have a, a chat discussion with somebody, that can happen. Anyone in this country can do that. Regarding the gentleman's call earlier, we have a Facebook page, 988 NM Crisis Support. And we are working hard on getting the kind of uh, support information that the gentleman talked about. I would encourage anyone who has uh, uh, information that they'd like to share, go to the Facebook page and send us a message that we can include in our resource uh, resource page for people to access. Um, it's, 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 I think it's valuable that we do support each other that way. But um, yeah, I think that uh, the question is pertinent and really helpful. Thank you. And Ray, we got just a, a few more moments here before I get our wrap up, but the, the Lifeline, it, it launched July 16th, so about a month and a half ago. So far, does it look promising? Are a lot of folks using using the Lifeline? Uh, Collins, Collins are picking up, uh, and, and I've been really pleased that uh, the state of New Mexico has made uh, resources available to Native tribes in New Mexico. We have uh, billboards across different parts of the state of New Mexico designed by Native American graphic artists. We have uh, uh, yard signs, uh, signs that are larger, like four by three, that are being put up by Native organizations, youth organizations, for example, across the state of New Mexico. Give put out the information we have probably disseminated, given out in Native communities across the state of New Mexico, all 21 tribes, postcards, probably over 8,000 postcards have been given out to individuals and families of the state. Right now in New Mexico, there's a multicultural Really okay, I'm sorry, Ray. We are going to have to go ahead and wrap up the show. That's all the time we have. But I, I want to thank Dr. Mark, Standing Eagle Bays, Cheyenne Kippenberger, and Ray Daw for a thoughtful discussion on suicide prevention in Native America. Please join us on Native America Calling again tomorrow when we talk about the lack of adequate drinking water infrastructure and efforts to address that. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thanks for listening. My name is Asad. When I was 19, my mom was diagnosed with colorectal cancer because she smoked. My tip is, find things to be thankful for. I'm thankful she quit smoking. I'm thankful for the nurses who taught me how to check her IV and to manage her medication. And I'm thankful for every day we have together because nothing is guaranteed, especially for us. The people you love are worth quitting for. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities.
protecting tribal sovereignty and keeping dollars in Indian country are Ameren's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Ameren.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.